Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, this is the Full Throttle Bikes podcast from Eurosport for the World Superbike 2019 edition from Thailand. Greg Haynes and James Whitten with you. James, there seems to be at the moment on Twitter relative and overall disappointment from people that the championship is being dominated again. What's your feeling? Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. And I think their comments on Twitter and the rest of social media are fair as well. I think when you've got a race that you can predict before it starts, the first three places, and that uh, you pretty much know who's going to win it and how much by, and it's a long way that Batista's winning now, that's not exciting racing. We want to see racing where you can't call the winner, where it could be three or four people who win the race. Um, so in that respect, yeah, they've got a point, and I would agree with them. I've, uh, the caveat for me is that it isn't going to continue like this the whole season when we get back to Europe, we'll see. I think Jonathan Ray will uh, be very strong at some circuits. I don't think the Ducati of Bautista and him as a package will be as dominant uh, at uh, some of the tracks we go to. But at the minute, it's, uh, yeah, it's predictable. I agree with you. It's completely predictable. It is good racing. We have had some good racing, although I would say that that was a processional race, the one we've just commentated on, the last one from Thailand. But that's the problem, isn't it? Although we are pretty sure, and we're not making this up, we do believe it will change this year. People don't really have patience in this day and age. People want instantaneous action. And at the moment, they're not getting it, are they? Uh, they're not. I mean, but then you've got to look at something like Formula One that's really popular. And that is boring racing. That's completely boring. Uh, there's very little overtaking. But one thing we've always had in bike racing is exciting racing. Thrills, spills, crashes. And and, and we just don't seem to be getting the exciting racing part of that at the moment. Uh, why? Uh, for me, a uh, difficult one to call. There's a set of regulations in place for Superbike that should... Uh, level the playing field as it were uh, machine wise uh, Ducati's done a really good job raised the bar they've looked at the rules thought right how can we produce a, a race winning bike within those rules they've done that and they've done that really successfully uh, but let's not forget that they've only done it, done it really successfully in the hands of one rider uh, Alvaro Batista and as he said himself after Phillip Island if you took him out of the equation it would have been Kawasaki's dominating at Phillip Island again and at um, Buriram, uh, the first two rounds, if you'd have taken him out, it would have been Kawasaki's winning and Yamaha's doing all right. Uh, but everybody else uh, on the Ducatis, the two or three riders that are on Ducatis, as well as Batista, not doing so well. And we'd have been saying at this point, oh, there's something wrong with the new Ducati. Why isn't it performing, etc. So th- th- there's something in the combination of Bautista and the bike that's making everybody else look a bit daft at the minute. It's interesting, something I felt while we were commentating on the sprint race back in Australia, and I know you felt it because we spoke about it after, and various other people on Twitter, and indeed some journalists, is that last year some people were complaining about Jonathan Ray dominating, and now some of those same people 
are actually egging him on and wanting him to be winning races because they don't want dominance from any rider, do they? And it's almost, it seems to me, as though Jonathan is flying the flag in a way for World Superbikes against this rider who's coming from MotoGP and at the moment he's destroying everyone. The thing is, <laughs> you, you complained about Jonathan Ray when he was dominating because he was dominating, not because it was Jonathan Ray. Exactly. Um, yeah, the the yeah. guy's a lovely bloke, a, yeah. a nice, intelligent, brilliant riding fella. He's Jonathan Ray, but you don't want to see anybody dominating, uh, whether it be Ray or Batista or anybody else. So uh, that that's the problem. The most likely person to be able to raise his game a little bit and go with Batista at some of the European tracks. He's going to be Jonathan Ray for sure. Yeah, it certainly is. He's been very, very consistent, obviously consistently in second place, but that will be very, very important by the time we get to the end of the year. After Australia, when people were asking me, would you still go for Jonathan Ray for the title? I definitely said yes. I'm going to stick with it for now. What's your feeling? If I had to say right now, James Whittam, who's going to win the title this year? What's the answer? Uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd go for the obvious one, to be honest, and think that if Bautista can carry this on for even another round, then he gives himself a little bit of a cushion. He's really? not a stupid man. He doesn't fall off a lot. We know how savvy the Ducati technicians and engineers are. Um, so I think it for me it's just about dropping the way um, of Bautista, but it's early days and anything can happen. The bike can you know show a few reliability issues. We've seen um, Chas Davis break down. Although that said, the Ducati over the years, albeit a different layout of a Ducati, a V twin, not a V four that we've got now, has been a has been a reliable bike. Thanks for all your tweets to Jim Witt sixty nine, Greg Haynes TV, and Eurosport underscore UK across the weekend. Uh, a few people asking about onboard cameras. Yeah, this is something we're aware of. Unfortunately, that comes from the host broadcaster. We haven't seen any onboards over the first two rounds, but we can tell you they will be back for Aragon. So that's the good news there. Here's an interesting one, James. Ed Hucknall tweets in. He says, is it just me? Brackets, quite possibly. But does the new Kawasaki look much heavier, dare I say it, sluggish, in inverted commas, turning through the corners than its rivals? No, uh, I'd say that the way the bike's ridden by some riders can can make any bike look like it handles a little bit different or is a little bit sluggish. Setup can make a difference as well. Some riders like a more stable bike and uh, are quite prepared to forsake a little bit of agility for a little bit of stability. Melandri, uh, for example, likes a bike that's so agile, so put the bike down at the front, turns so quick that the thing doesn't go in a straight line down the straight. So, no, I wouldn't mm. say it does. I think that the way... Uh, that Jonathan, especially as the Kawasaki setup, he's so fine, he's so good with the setup that he has a bike that he can ride right to the limit, and we've seen that over the weekend, albeit not able to, to stay with Bautista, but he's definitely been on the limit of him and the bike, which is a good thing to see. Uh, other talking points. You've talked about Melandry, James. Yeah. What's going on? Why does the bike keep doing what it's doing? It happened with the Ducati, it's happening with the Yamaha. Yeah. Why? There's something about uh, the way he rides the bike or the way he has the bike set up or his physical stature that's causing that because uh, it, it, it happens on way, two different... You? And the, the bikes that it happened on for him were two completely different layouts. Yeah. Uh, the Ducati, uh, last year's Panigale was a V-twin, uh, completely different construction. It was a stressed airbox. It wasn't the frame flexing. It couldn't have been because the frame... Uh, the, well, they don't have a frame. That It's a stressed airbox design that's... Uh, really stiff is the the Panigale V-Twin. Mm. Uh, the Yamaha R1 is a, a very much a more traditional bike, twin spa aluminium chassis. Uh, so it's nothing to do with the actual build of the bike. It's to do with the way he has it set up. It, it traditionally runs a lot of weight on the front, not so much weight on the back. Uh, the bike up at the back, so that alters all 
the geometry at the front, it steepens the head angle up, it gives you less trail, and it makes the bike a little bit more unstable. But you'd, you'd accept that generally, but to different degrees, uh, for the agility that that gives you, it makes the bike unstable, means the bike wants to turn or you can turn it quicker. Uh, but it's something about him, either his stature or what he's, how he's setting the bike up that's causing that instability because uh, he's happened on a couple of different, completely different bikes now. Here's a tweet I'm just seeing from Ollie Rushby, former colleague of ours at Motorcycle News, and he's now working with Yamaha in BSB. Of course, BSB's coming out relatively soon, by the way. Silverstone opening round in April. Ollie's saying, how do we stop someone being so dominant? wheeling someone even more dominant hopefully the world sbk rules even things out of it when the first round of rev changes come in entertainment has to be the priority or a series can't survive i'd agree with that would you yep i would um I, uh yeah i'd say uh, that's about on point um what i would say is that there is a a balancing uh regulation in there that where after three rounds they look at what's who's dominated if anybody's dominated any machine has dominated the championship clearly bautista and the ducati v4 are dominating the championship but not anybody else on a ducati is so that means that come at uh, the end of the Aragon meeting, three rounds in, which is the first opportunity for the organisers to reset the, the what we're talking about as rev limits in actual fact, um, it won't happen because nobody else has dominated and one bike dominating is not enough for the rules to, to sort of kick in. So I don't think we're going to see any balancing um, going on as far as revs go. I mean, th that dropping, taking revs away from them so they can't rev that bike as much is the easiest way way of clipping its wings as it were i've got to be honest from my point of view i didn't think it was going to be this dominant i thought it was going to be winning races this year that jacata but i didn't think it was going to be winning the title and it's still very early hasn't won the title in its first season but yeah the way he's going at the moment but that's the interesting thing isn't it if you really break it down using laverties with a customer team and we've seen already that they operate very differently to the factory team different bike you know not different model but you know they've got a different they haven't even got their number one bike yet they're still using a test bike uh, so private team, Rinaldi's with Barney, a little bit more support, you'd have to think, than Laverty's too. So the only real direct comparison with Bautista is Chas Davis, and he had a nightmare off-season, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, he had a really bad run into the season, injured, and uh, just hadn't, has, has had, hasn't had any track time with that new bike, and uh, clearly it doesn't immediately suit him, and he's going to have to make it so he does. Um is the pressure going to be building though now? Because yeah, yeah. you know he knows he's getting there, but every race that goes by, Batista's winning again. The points gap's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's enormous. You know, it's the best part of a hundred points already. I haven't got the standings in front of me, but it's massive. That's got to be putting the pressure on, hasn't it? Surely on everybody, not just uh, yeah, not true. just Charles Davis, but it, obviously if your teammates dominate and you're struggling, that is a bad situation to be in. Uh, there's a really ironic thing about the dominance of this new uh, Ducati, uh, albeit, as I've said, in the hands of only one rider, Bautista. Um, but, but the ironic thing is that this is the first year in World Superbike, 30 years of World Superbike, the Ducati have ran to this exactly the same regulations as everybody else. And this is in 32 years. This is in 30, 30, 32nd year. Yeah. Uh, because initially, the Ducati was a V-twin. V-twin, you couldn't make go as fast as a straight four of the same capacity. So they were allowed, in the original instance, 750 four-cylinder bikes, 
Uh, and they had to so force in about centre runs to 750cc. Twins could run up to a thousand. Then, when fours went to a thousand cc, twins could be up to 1200cc to keep playing surface level uh, in terms of power, and and that worked uh, to a lesser, greater degree over the years. And that's always been the case. The mm. Catties, because they'd only been a, they've only been a V-twin up to now, has always been given a weight advantage or a cc advantage or both at times. This year they ran. They're running, a, they're running a V4, so that's four cylinder. It doesn't matter whether it's a V or a straight four, it's a four cylinder. Hence, it has to be 1,000cc. So they're running to the exactly the same regulations as uh, Kawasaki, Yamaha, Honda, and, and BMW. So it, it, it's really ironic that they seem to have a bike that's as dominant, yeah. more dominant than any uh, any other time in 32 years for them. And they're into exactly the same rules. There's no advantage given to, to Ducati this year. So why is it, James, for non-technical people like me, why is it that it's also a, a four-cylinder bike, yeah, V4, as you say, a bit like the Yamaha, why has it got so many more revs than the other bikes? You know, Why, has it got so why is it allowed power? to be up to 16.4? Uh, 16,400 yeah. 16, RPM is their rev limit. Uh, and 13, I think just less than 1,000 uh, revs less than that is the upper rev limit for the Kawasaki, for example. Yeah. The reason for that is the rev... Uh, limits of the race bike are derived from the rev limit of the corresponding road bike. So what the uh, organisers do, what the technical staff do, uh, it's a guy called Cotsmart who sets the who works the regulations out. He's a really super intelligent lad uh, who has done a bit of racing as well at a high level, so he knows what the crack is. They go to every manufacturer and they take six or seven or several bikes off the production line that is the homologation model of the race bike or going to be uh, and they see what it revs at and they, they go up till the, the bike goes that's the rev limit they take that so they take the rev limit of the race bike uh, the the road bike sorry and then they derive the rev limit allowable for the race bike from that and the fact is that the v4 ducati one of the reasons is because it's a desmodromic valve system which means it's the valves are powered open and closed not closed by a spring Very therefore much it can rev technology yep that's a little well it's it's old technology for for the but they're mm. the only ones doing it yeah um so because the road bike revs a bit more the race bike is allowed to rev a bit more and there you go. Do you Massive get it? Advantage. Yeah, just, 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 just recap that. Uh, the road bike revs more, so the race bike can rev more because the race bike uh, revs are derived from the road bike revs. And that's obviously what we call a homologation special, then, isn't it? When a manufacturer's basically putting a road bike together, yes, the technology comes from Grand Prix racing, but they're putting a road bike together with the, the sole thought of dominating in superbikes. Well, yeah, but they've got to make 500 and they all do mm. it. Yamaha mm. do it with the uh, with the R1M and uh, Kawasaki do it with the latest model of the of the ZX-10R. Kawasaki, could you argue, as um, James Hayden and Shaky Byrne were chatting with Matt Roberts about this in the studio over the weekend, that Kawasaki almost to a greater extent in the way they go about it. Well, what Kawasaki did is produce a bike that's a really good one-litre sports bike and it was it, it was successful in racing. And then the race team's gone to them and says, right, because of the rules, we need a few more revs for next year. Uh, the road bike revs derive the, the race bike reg, revs, so can we have 500 more revs? So they've made uh, the road bike, uh, they've given the road bike uh, 600 more revs, which then enables the race bike to rev more. So, they're all playing the same game. Yeah, it's just as well they did, isn't it, to be honest? Yep. The irony is, of course, Kawasaki was bitching at the start of last year about the fact that the organisers can change the revs after round three, round six and round nine, as you were talking about before. They're very much going to be pleased about that this year, aren't they? If the Kawasaki... Uh, sorry, if the Ducati 
eventually gets turned down. Yeah, if if the if, uh, if the balancing rules kick in there, yeah, they will be happy with it. I suppose that's where it might be a problem for Ducati that they've got Australia, Thailand, Aragon first because they're going to be strong in Aragon as well, aren't they? Yeah, Bautista will know his way around Aragon, uh, and I think that the Ducati will be fairly strong there. He's got a long, long, long straight uh, that should feet, uh, favor the uh, the bike a little bit. Um, I honestly think the first round where we could get some real action is Aston. It favours really good racing, and it, and it and it's a, a favourite circuit for Jonathan Ray. He's been unbelievable there before. So we talked about Bautista. We talked about Ray, Chas Davis. Difficult times for Chas Davis, and if it wasn't as difficult enough as it is already, tough enough as it is, the bike then breaks on him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, he couldn't help that. Um, motorcycles have pissing engines in them, and they break down occasionally. I suppose uh, that could have happened to Bautista, couldn't it? Exactly that. Um, I think Chaz will be more encouraged by the performance in the last race and, and, and certainly warm-up uh, and a little bit the Super Bowl race because he said he, they had found something. He was more comfortable on the bike and he felt better with it and that's definitely um, encouraging for him. Just reading off names quickly, James. Leon Haslam, he wanted three podiums this weekend. He actually hasn't had one in the end. He's going to be disappointed. He is uh, disappointed. We know he is. Yeah, but again, you look back on the meeting, good, solid point scoring position. So, you know, his championship hasn't suffered much by it. But personally, as a rider, he would hope to be a lot closer in positions and especially time yeah. to his teammate and Bautista. He's, he's a racer, he's, he's Leon. He doesn't like losing. No, he certainly doesn't. Other talking points, well, the BMW, no major news there. Sykes actually broke down this afternoon as well, but, uh, yeah, they need the new engine, don't they? They need the upgrade on that. Uh, disappointing to see what happened to Eugene Laverty, though. First of all, James, just talk us through, what is it like to suffer a brake failure? We saw this for Laverty in race one on Saturday. Had to jump off the bike at 200 k's, 125 mile an hour. That is scary. And it's the fourth time it's happened in his career. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, you would hope to run a career of racing, uh, you know, 10, 15 years and never have to decide what to do when a brake uh, fails completely on you because um, it always fails at the wrong time. A brake fails. You only know it's failed when you need it. And because you're braking on the limit, uh, the first time you pull that lever, that front brake lever with your right hand, you need the brake to work. If it doesn't, you're in trouble. Um, and it's, if it's at really high speed, then you're in even more trouble. Uh, I've only had it happen once. It was a brake disc shattered at Monza. And, uh, Which corner was that? That was at the end of the start and finish straight. But luckily, the old track is still uh, in place, and I managed to scuttle around the old track, hit the grass, stay on the bike, and get the thing stopped. And I was stayed looking, on the bike? Yeah, yeah. If it had happened to any other... I worked out that I, I thought about where I'd raced in my career to that point. And I, it, if it had happened to any other, any other circuit, any other corner, I'd have been really badly injured and probably killed. So... You've got to be a little bit lucky. Um, circuits have a little bit more runoff these days, um, which is a good thing, uh, especially when something goes wrong. Uh, if your front brake fails, motorcycles, for most people who have a bike, will know this, but for those that don't or that are listening, uh, it's a fairly simple system. There's no uh, servo, there's no power assisting. What you've got is a, a master cylinder. You pull that uh, brake lever in, that pushes pressure into the master cylinder, that shoves pressure down two brake lines, two hydraulic lines, um, through putting pressure in an oil system that puts pressure into calipers that pushes several in this case eight because it's two four pot calipers mm. uh, pushes pistons out they pu push against 
uh, two sets of pads that clamps on the discs and that slows the bike down it's a simple system problem is if you lose a pad if you uh, get a break in a brake line if you get a joint that explodes if you get a pin fall out um, or a bolt fall out or lose a caliper uh, the whole system loses pressure and the whole system stops working it's not like on a car where when you push your foot on the middle pedal and you start slowing down that's Ooh. a split system built into it what's called redundancy you're only ever going to get one failure so you'll always, you're always going to have either front or rear brakes on your car that doesn't happen with race bikes could you uh, do that on a bike in theory or uh, not? it'd be a lot of complex stuff and it'd be heavy and uh, it, th let's be honest this doesn't happen so often Luckily. so it, it, it's a problem that doesn't need fixing so often it does happen i've had it happen once like i say some riders more than us i've seen it where uh, a, a piece of bodywork of a, a really lightweight carbon fiber front mug guy came off a grand prix bike that a, a, a fellow test rider when i was test riding a bike had it happened to end of a long straight the wind broke the mud guard the mud guard was the the, the brake lines were pinned uh, for for neatness to the mud guard Ooh. when the mud guard flew off it took the brake lines with it uh, and and that that unfortunate test rider didn't have any brakes when he got to the corner realised what had happened he saw the mud guard go flying past realised what had happened really quickly jumped off the bike the fact is if you stay on your bike you're going to hit something fairly hard uh, if you jump off your bike you will start slowing down when your arse hits the floor and you will <laughs> and, and you will probably get away with it on most circuits now because of the amount of runoff. Uh, the bike however won't get away with it the bike will keep going straight on and hit something really hard and that was a difficult thing for Go 11 actually ironically the, there was oil pouring out of the bike when they were trying to get it going but bearing in mind as we said in the commentary it had smashed into the barrier head-on gone up in the air burst into flames any damage or failure that had already occurred with the brakes has then been shattered into the barrier anyway so identifying the problem for brembo and go 11 was never going to be very easy was it no it's like one of these if you've watched that air crash investigation mm. where they're good documentaries aircraft, actually. yeah big aircraft has crashed in the ground and gone on fire and it's just a pile of little pieces you know to, to decide what went wrong is sometimes difficult always difficult sometimes impossible uh, to do and uh, to figure out why that brake failed obviously they want to do that because they don't want to happen again um it's difficult especially when the bikes hit a barrier at 120 well you know what damage got was done before that made the brakes fail and what was done in the accident yeah. and the subsequent fire yeah. so difficult job and because that Go 11 team only has one bike they don't have any virtually any space it's not a case of just you know wheeling a new bike out it's a single bike championship you're only allowed to have one bike built up um and you're allowed to have subsections of spares to bolt on that bike but uh, when you smash one to pieces and you've no spares because the bike's a brand new model it's a difficult job scott smarts explained this really well actually the technical uh, director for world superbike who you were talking about before former 250 cc champion in britain as well and he was telling charlie hiscott earlier on in our program today he said you've got series like bsb where there are no spare bikes at all and you've got motor gp which is probably the only series in the world where you've got two bikes and world superbike somewhere in the middle since 2015 they've had a sort of rolling chassis semi-prepared bike yeah. but yeah as you say go 11 didn't have that at the moment did they they still didn't have their main bike for this year yeah there's no doubt the organizers want to get bikes on the on the grid you know they don't want to have uh, a, a big crash occur to, to somebody and then them not be able to put the bike back together. If the riders fit, they want them on the grid. Uh, so they've made rules to that effect, but without making it so that you can just have a load of bikes prepared if you've got a load of money. Uh, and, you know, easy, all this is an effort to keep costs down for the teams, yeah. and it does work, but it does mean sometimes that it's difficult to keep a bike going. 
Super Sport really quickly. That was that was the best race of the weekend, actually, wasn't it? Um, and it was it was semi predictable, but you didn't know who was going to win until the last few laps. No, in in, in some respects, all races are predictable. You know who's going to be up front, but yeah. what you want is a race to be predictable because you know five riders are going to be dicing for the front. You you want to not know which one of those five is going yeah, to win, and we that's didn't. when things happen. Then, exactly, and we yeah. didn't. Uh, it was a really really good uh, good race. Uh, Isaac Vinales was. Uh, uh, really good uh, coming of age I think he had a good ride that surprised one or two of the riders uh, that, that expected to be at the front including Caracasulo he was uh, my tip for the win actually he's still my tip for winning races this season and being up there in the championship uh, but what happened he got kind of the Yorkshire way of putting it would be legged up he got yeah. legged up with uh, Vinales a little bit and with Krumanaka to some extent and that cost him any chance of a race I'm really pleased uh, for Krumanaka coming from way back and nearly winning the thing and really impressed with him yeah he got shoved out well actually he ran wide at the first corner didn't he he himself? did yeah and then had the whole race fighting back to something like competitiveness and and yeah. and uh, the ability to win the race uh, which he didn't finally just end up doing uh, because Clazel won it uh, Clazel rode a fantastic race wanted to be at the front that paid dividends because he knew he wasn't going to get away but because when he got to the front then Krumanaka were having a little bit of a set to with Vinales and Caracazulo that just yeah. gave Clazel a little bit of breathing space brilliant ride from him I put a tweet out earlier on uh, it was something You'd actually uh, highlighted before we went on air earlier, and I said one more race to come from Thailand at the time. Very likely that Bautista will make it in another treble, which of course he has. But ironically, Jonathan Ray could still leave Buriram as the championship leader. Quite a few replies to people saying, "Well, how does that work out then?" Basically, all that was is that ahead of the third race of the weekend today, had Bautista had a problem and Jonathan Ray won, he would have actually led the championship by one point, I think. Yeah, which just shows how important all those second places are, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Jonathan's uh, what you'd call limiting the damage yeah. uh, now that Batista's doing to put himself in the best possible chance if he does come good during the season. So, does World Superbike have an image problem now? Does it have a problem of some kind? The fact that we've got domination all the time, quite a large field spread, whether it's one man dominating or another it doesn't really matter you don't want a championship being dominated then again things do go in cycles don't they yeah they do uh, for me 20 riders on the grid is just about enough we could do with a few more uh, 15 riders isn't enough on the grid we need we need somewhere near 20 uh, and we need better racing at the front uh, will it happen I think it will at, at times this year uh, but certainly uh, the first two meetings have been a little bit too predictable to me. For me, I I like the technical side of it anyway. I love the championship. Yeah. I know most of the chaps in it, and I, I get on really well with them, and I, and I respect them. So for me, I can watch it and get excited about it anyway. I'm a, I'm a I'm a proper revit and a, a motor, motorcycle enthusiast, but I can understand why some people are saying yeah. the racing hasn't been hasn't been as exciting as they'd like. Yeah, me too. The great Murray Walker always used to say, no race is boring. There's always something interesting if you know where to look. It might not be happening now, but something might be developing. And I agree with that completely. But it is true, when it's predictable, people are going to get frustrated. I think half the problem is motorcycle racing at its best is so exciting uh, for yeah. a lot of people yeah. that when it's just all right, that's not good. Especially when we're in a golden era, and it is a golden era, of Grand Prix racing, Moto3 spectacular, Moto GP is spectacular, Moto2 very good races, BSB is phenomenal. 
it doesn't really help well super bikes does it goes in cycles mate that's where it goes i remember not that long ago it um well it seems to me not that long ago that mm. you know uh, grand prix was on its backside and there were 15 on a grid and yep. nobody could afford to yep. get the proper tires or run a proper bike and it was uh, quite predictable and now look at it so you know we don't give up and in our final minute here that's where i would just add i think if they really want to change it that it will require some investment do you not think from the organizers they're gonna to have to put something in there like they did in motor gp assisting the smaller teams yeah maybe but i mean firstly they've got to get a set of rules that balance it and they're trying really hard i can't knock uh smarty and 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 the organizers at all they're trying to address a problem you know they've got uh and at the minute it just hasn't worked uh who knows? It might work this mm. season. We might be sat here at the end of the year going, what a season well, that exactly, was. Exactly, yeah. And we'll be you playing know. this back laughing, Exactly. There you go then, James. Thanks very much. See you Cheers, in Greg. Aragon. Have a good trip home. And we will be back, of course, next week with the podcast. Just because it's not a race week for us on Eurosport, we will have the podcast. Don't forget, MotoGP highlights are on Quest this year as well. Their next race is coming up soon in Argentina. And when we do get back underway with World Superbikes, we've got Aragon and Assen back-to-back, and then BSB at Silverstone as well the week after that. So plenty still to come in 2019, and we will be back next Wednesday with the latest podcast. So speak to you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 